Ladies and gentlemen, welcome on into episode 184 of the Get Around Podcast. Sitting in the host chair, my name is Jake Adnip with my co-workers James Cook and Andrew Rosenthal. Today is a special day. We have an amazing guest on episode 184. It is the executive director of the MHSAA, Mark Ewell. We had a 30-minute conversation with him about all that uh, they went through through the pandemic and what it's looking like on the other side. A really, really great guest to have here um, before I take off. And I know that's probably the first many people have heard about it, but this will be our last podcast together, guys. My last time sitting in the host chair. How sad. I'm going to be leaving the Record Eagle effective July 30th before a new fall season starts. And uh, I'm going to be heading west, but um, in the meantime, this is, this is the time we get to spend with each other. This is our last podcast. It's kind of crazy. I was looking back. James, you guys had started this like three and a half years ago. Almost four. Yes. Actually, more like four. Basically four years ago. Mm-hmm. We're at episode 184. I got here at episode 30. That's 154 episodes. That's more than I think anybody thought we were going to do when we first started doing this. 184, which is just a lot. And it just kept going. We're going to hit 200 by the end of this year. That's I, I, I really that's the same thing as I really hope that this just keeps on running and going and going. Because I love it. This is this is one of my babies. Yeah. I mean, I think I've been hosting this. If, if Brendan is the pod father, you're the pod baby daddy. The pod bit <laughs> The stepdad. Because <laughs> 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 so, I, and I looked at the math. So I started, I started hosting just over 100 episodes ago as well. So just before 80 was the turn when Brett Summers, our lovely other longtime host who was here before me after Brendan, it's been about 100 episodes. I just think that's wild because we've had a lot of really cool kids and a lot of really cool guests on this podcast over the last couple of years since I've been here. I'm really glad that we got Mark Ewell as part of my last podcast. So I don't understand. That's pretty cool. Yeah, to get the, the head dude for the MHSAA. I mean, really like it's, it's a good get. Like the most important dude that happened throughout the pandemic with the mhsa like everybody was hounding on that guy yeah i can't he imagine was, he, was, he was pretty candid with us too I think, yeah you know, i think people will enjoy that interview i think so too and they, once again i i don't want to bring down the mood this is a good day this is a good day we're here to celebrate next week james is going to be taking off on his long-awaited july august vacation so it will we'll be down too many men next week and I could come sit in the podcast chair and just sit here and talk for an hour, but I know nobody wants that. I literally mean nobody. No matter how much you'll miss me, nobody wants to hear me just talk to myself for an hour. You don't really want to hear me talk either, and I'll be the only other one in Jarvis City. <laughs> so yeah. I don't even a, know if I can hold a conversation for an hour straight. Like I'm kind of like the one that just chimes in with interesting notes, and everyone's like, yeah, cool. I, I, have, I have no doubt you guys will be just fine. I know it's going uh, to be a lot of fun seeing what you guys do with the podcast after I leave. I hope there's some good things that happen. You know, don't don't you guys dare throw dirt on the get around's name when I leave. No. <laughs> we we've had a lot of fun here, and I think I think that was typified when Brett left. That we this always would hold a special place for all of us, and it still does. And I'm glad that we've mm-hmm. done this as long as we have. Like the one unaired episode. That is, I really still don't want to know what that says. I, I thought about that not too long ago because I don't know if anybody heard about this, but you were here, right? Yeah, I was that? here. Yeah, we we re- we recorded an episode. I think it was almost two hours long, it of long. Yeah. Uh, several of us in this podcast studio, and it was never lot, intended lot for air. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it was the night we took. It was the night we took Brett out to the bar. It was his last night. Yes, it was last literally day in Traverse City. Last day in Traverse City. We took we took Brett out to the bar. Everybody had a few drinks, and uh, we were like, well. We probably shouldn't be driving home, so we need to. Let's go do a podcast. Let's go do a podcast. So we went and recorded a hour and a half, hour was, forty five minute long, long podcast. It was me, you, Brendan, Brett. Harrison, Brett. Harrison was here. There was. I think like Rachel was in here. Like Cena was here. Yeah, like the, it was a whole motley yeah, crew. It, it was pretty crowded in this. Yeah, it's never been so crowded in this podcast studio. Yeah, I think one of the things be a lot of things said that you know no one should hear. No one's ever going to hear, hopefully. But I was one of the things that. I think like this this podcast studio in general, we took a lot for granted, and then COVID took it away from us. Because we had we had, we've had at least in my times we've had hundreds, literally like hundreds of kids come in here, and that's one of the ways that we've done such a great job of actually being able to connect with some of the kids and actually get our faces and mm-hmm. hey, this is who we are, and you know blah blah blah, make them comfortable when we go out to games and everything like that. Not having them be able to come in here for the last year was tough, but the fact that we've been able to have kids back and it just made everything feel better here um, as it's gone out mm-hmm. for me at least because we're like. It's actually 
back to the way it was. I'm glad it. I'm glad it has. Uh, it's evolved over time too, which has made me happy. Yeah, I've been. I'm, yeah, I'm really glad that we can have people back in the studio and stuff. Doing the calls over FaceTime and just phone in and stuff like that is fine. It's what we it had works. to do. You know what we were able to do, but doing it in person here is so much better. And I think I think that's one of the cool things about this podcast in general is that nobody else does what we do. I think this is a, an idea that has it, it, just been amazing. Nobody has done, nobody's done it like we have. Nobody will continue to do it like we have. And the fact that we can have new kids and coaches and people like Mark Ewell, John Scott, an NHL All Star, Winter Vanecki, you know, a, a Stringer. We have Adam <laughs> Troutman, you know, an NFL player. Um, Matt, Matt McQuaid, Kenny Goins, you know, two Michigan State basketball players after they get out of the Final Four. I mean, we've had Andreas Antonisiu from the Red Wings, everything. We, we've gone up and down the board, and I think it's so cool what we've been able to do with this podcast and be able to give so many people in the community just some form of entertainment with what we do. Because a lot of times it's always so serious, and it's always so cut and dry, facts or not facts, this or that. This actually is fun for us for once. So I want to say before... We get into the rest of the episode. <laughs> I'm kind of choking up here, but uh, thank you to all of our audible listeners who have stuck around for as long as you guys have. Because <laughs> I can't listen to myself this much, <laughs> and the fact that you guys come back every week and spend your time with us means so much to us and to these kids. I just want to say thank you to them. Thank you to you guys <laughs> for always being in here and uh, BSing around with me because it's always been fun. This is my favorite day of the week. You know, Monday's my favorite day of the week, and they get around is wise. But, um, no, but th- just seriously, th- I had to thank all of our guests that we've had here. Everybody's been awesome. We had, like, that's the coolest part, I think, is that we touched every sport. And while we didn't... Pretty much every end while we, I'd say, while, while we didn't complete the goal in the 184 that we've had to get every one of our schools on here, we've done a dang good job. I mean, out of, like, 45, we're missing, like, five schools. And I, you guys will be able to get that by the time. But the fact that we've been able to touch everywhere, every sport, is awesome. And there's two on that list up there that we can cross off, McBain and Ellsworth. There's only seven, seven out of like the what forty, forty five some schools that we cover that we haven't had somebody haven't on had the podcast, which I just think is awesome. And once again, I just I can't say thank you enough for like letting me <laughs> sit here and just talk about sports that I love and all the stuff that we know and love up here. And actually enjoying it and sticking with us, so thank you. I don't even think I can go any more deeper into it, but um, we're going to go ahead and we're going to give a listen to our interview with the executive director from the MHSAA, Mark Ewell. It was an amazing interview. We got to hear a lot of the questions that we have tried to ask or wanted to ask him and the uppers at the MHSAA for the last year and a half. So um, go ahead, enjoy that, and we'll see you on the other side. The Get Around Podcast is extremely excited to welcome the Executive Director of the Michigan High School Athletic Association, Mark Ewell. Thank you so much for joining us here for episode 184. Good to be with you. We have a lot to talk about with Mark. We have been waiting to have him on the podcast for about the last year, and the pandemic was so crazy. We know Mark was probably one of the busiest people in the state uh, over the last about 16 months uh, when it comes to dealing with this pandemic. I don't think anybody's asked you in 16 months, Mark. How are you holding up? Is every, how, how, how are you doing after this whole ordeal? You know, I've got a few more uh, bruises and bumps, I think, than I had before. You know, I knew this was a job that you always needed to have uh, very thick skin and a healthy sense of humor. And that has certainly been confirmed a great deal over the last 16 months. You know, I I was very consistent and our staff was consistent that our goal last school year, thankfully, we uh, were able to find that lane. And so everybody says, well, you know, in June, did you really celebrate? celebrates the wrong word it was more of a sense of relief than anything because our staff literally you went you you and all of us did we lived day to day Uh, you didn't know what uh surprise was just around the corner tomorrow whether it be more requirements more hoops or even an outright uh shutdown or pause so uh yes we're uh we survived the year uh you know i've lived through it once and Hopefully, uh, we'll never have to do it again, but lots of lessons were learned. 
I think that flexibility, we talked to Cody Inglis, you know, one of your assistants over at the MHSAA, and we talked to him a couple times last year, and he just kept on preaching flexibility and being able to kind of live on the fly like you talked about. What type of lessons have you learned running the MHSAA with this and then going forward um, to kind of like keep this all moving no matter what kind of gets thrown at it? So I think an, an important lesson is just what you mentioned, that um, we can make some changes and be able to implement those quite quickly. It's, you know, in the day of social media and, and instant information and communication, I think we had five different dates last year for our football finals. So that just shows you that pr- people can be pretty adaptable, can take change, and and be ready to turn things around quite quickly. So that's something that I think is going to be with us moving forward. However, what I don't think we can lose is a lot of times when you make changes, um, it needs to go through a rigorous vetting process. And if you rely too much on being flexible and kind of changing, you know, quite rapidly or quite quickly, sometimes you can maybe miss some of the unintended consequences for a change, or you can, you know, maybe miss some of the problems that, you know, taking a more deliberate approach would look at. So I think moving forward, when it just comes to decision-making in general, um, I think we can be a little bit more fast-tracked than maybe what we have been in the past, but uh, you also want to make sure that uh, every stone that needs to be flipped over and looked at from every direction, that uh, that isn't getting lost in the process. When you, when you look back to, uh, like, March 11th, 12th of 2020, how, how busy was it for you guys when, when all this stuff started breaking and everything started happening? And how do you, how do you uh, able to communicate something that quickly with you know, all your assistants and come up with a plan? So that's a really good question. It was the most weird thing because essentially, you know, the whole world was really put on pause. So sitting in the office a, a year ago, March, I think all of us initially were figuring, well, two or three weeks and we're going to be back to business. So the first few weeks of the of the pandemic, um, okay, when are we going to finish up winter tournaments and what does spring look like? And when two weeks turned into three weeks and four weeks and it became obvious that this wasn't going to be a quick turnaround, we were really doing everything we could to say, okay, how can we get in our spring season and how can we still go back and finish winter? And of course, the decision was really made for us when uh, Governor Whitmer at the time, uh, you know, declared the school year basically over, which uh, closed the window on school sports. So that was really weird because, you know, we were in the same boat as every professional league, every collegiate league to where, yeah, we were on pause and you really never knew, you know, is, is it next week? Is it next month? Yeah. Looking back on, on lat, the, a year ago, March and April were probably the most two uh, surreal months of all of our lives. In a time like that, not even just within, say, your boardroom or your representative council, but with all the people in the schools below you, how do you kind of keep the faith alive? How were you able to kind of keep everybody like, hey, we, we still have a chance at this and, and was still working every day to achieve that goal, even though obviously it looks so bleak at times? I'm an optimist by nature, which is good. This happened to hit in a time of my life where all three of my kids are active athletes. I've got a a college swimmer at, at Hope College. Um, as many people know that, you know, over the last year during the pandemic, I had a three-sport athlete who was a senior, um, not only played football, but uh, played hockey in the winter and baseball in the spring. And our youngest is a, was during the pandemic was a seventh grade uh, three-sport female athlete. So what helped my optimism was going home in seeing somebody at the college level who was itching to be able to get back in the pool. And then two, three sport athletes at both the junior high and high school level, that was evidence every single day why our staff needed to keep finding a way to get kids active. Um, You know, we always felt like, yep, we need to do everything we can to minimize as much risk with COVID as possible. But yet uh, we felt strongly that we could play safely while minimizing that risk. And so that's really what kept us going. But no, if there were some dark days or bleak days, all I had to do was go home and saw a reason in, in every season. And by the way, my wife and I have now been married for 25 years. And this coming winter, she'll start her 27th season as a high school basketball coach. So I also get that perspective when I get home. And here was a winter coach 
indoor sport, all the challenges of basketball, and that was really a valuable perspective too. How much? I guess how much did it further kind of drive it home that that it was Grant's senior season, and you know this was his last chance to do some of these things. I think it was all kids. You know, the the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my professional life was make that announcement when the that the twenty twenty uh, school year came to an end, and all of those senior kids a year ago, uh, those seniors of the class of of twenty, one of which I've uh, got sitting here uh, interning with me, who's now a student at Aquinas College, but he was a senior at Lansing Catholic, was part of. Um, you know, their state championship football and, uh, you know, was involved in, in baseball was his number one sport. and He never had a, a senior year. So it was really the experiences of those senior kids that had the really the plug pulled on their senior year, not just sports. But those are the kids who had no prom, no graduation. Those were the kids who lived through April and May thinking, well, can we get back into the school next week and get our stuff? So the, the biggest motivation wasn't the senior kids of last year. It was really that class of 2020 that you want to talk about a group of people that really had the, the bad luck of all bad luck. And uh, it was really that group of kids. And, and that's been an incredibly motivating uh, here over the last 16 months. Now, I know the communities have, it seems, have rallied around this whole thing. And I, I, I feel like... In certain spots, we're seeing an increase in participation uh, this spring. We saw a big jump in numbers because so many people didn't get a season last year. Um, but in other places, I feel like we're seeing a little bit of a drop-off. Have you guys seen any correlation between you know what went on in the last year and moving to club sports or AAU or anything like that? Or how is the participation in the MHSAA looking in the spring this year as opposed to what you expected last year? So it's something we'll need to wait and see um, because obviously the pandemic not only affected participation, you know, our Wrestling numbers, for example, were down last winter because there was just so much uncertainty with all the testing. So really what most of our schools saw with the wrestlers is they got their serious wrestlers. Those freshman kids who were on the fence of, well, maybe I'll give wrestling a try under normal circumstances. They just didn't come out last year. Um, What was interesting is our crowds for our spring tournaments here a month or two ago were the largest that they've ever been in history. So what that shows is that people, I think, are, are ready for the reset button. People are ready to get to games again. People are ready to get involved. And one of the big lessons from COVID is we, I think, learned just how important school sports are to so many kids and parents and families and, most importantly, communities. And I really hope that kind of the, the, the exit out of COVID, we might get a little shot in the arm just because we have that perspective. I also know this. I thought the sportsmanship, especially in the spring, was better than it's ever been before. Because there are some moms and dads who I think with COVID realize that, you know what, the scholarship or success and all those things I used to get wrapped up with during COVID, what this has really taught me is I just want to watch my kid play. And I think we had a little healthier perspective uh, here coming out of, the, out of uh, COVID, and hopefully that's something that uh, will continue. So if the fall season were to start today, I mean, I'm not trying not to make this hypothetical, but if, if the fall season were to start, start today, would there be any kind of COVID restrictions or would it just be business None. as normal? Business as normal. So there's no government restrictions on crowd sizes. There's currently no government requirements in terms of testing. Um, you know, the one thing I think that will still be around and, you know, ask the North Carolina State Baseball Program out in Omaha last month, you know, they had some positive cases on their team and as they worked through the contact tracing part of it they found that they had a number of unvaccinated individuals which they then still had to quarantine so the things that could affect our schools come august and september is if there are individuals that are positive for covid on the team with the contact tracing all those individuals that are not fully vaccinated may have to sit out. And if there's enough numbers on a certain team, that could mean that uh, games can't get played. Or if those games get played, it might mean multiple individuals can't play. So, you know, folks have asked the question, well, Mark, what can I do to make sure that our kids' season this coming school year is going to happen? And the answer to that is really to get fully vaccinated. Um, That way you're not um, limited with your participation. And then if you're 
designated as a close contact of a teammate that has tested positive, well, then you're no longer required to quarantine for the 10 to 14 days. So uh, I know our numbers were really, really good in the late spring. I know the variant has been a little bit of a challenge here the past few weeks. I just hope that more people get vaccinated and uh, really give that virus nowhere to go. So we were talking to some of our administrators around here, and I think from even a, a bigger perspective, it's a good question for you. Obviously, with the way everything went last year, you guys had to cut a lot of stuff out of high school sports with crowds and things like that, handshake lines and stuff that all got to be changed, right? Um, I guess how excited is everybody to get back to normal and even have to get those volunteers and all that extra stuff? I mean, that's a lot more stuff that has to kind of uh, get in the wheelhouse of working again that was kind of just excised last year. What's it going to be like getting back into that wheel of things for like a full fall football season that's about to come up, come come through? I think it's incredibly exciting. You know, the kids that I felt the worst for last year were members of a marching band in the fall. You know, there have been kids who have been in the band program since elementary school. And, you know, just like athletes, they were looking forward to those four home games to where it's my senior year and I'm the drum major or the, the, the section leader and, um, those kids didn't get to perform. Cheerleading squads in some cases, palm teams, dance teams, all of those groups in the community that are connected to the big game on Friday night, whether that's football or whether that's uh, boys or girls basketball during the winter, all those kids missed out last year. So that's where I really think you're going to get the, the community to come out. Um, if we have some good weather on Friday nights, I think our, our fall football crowds could be enormous. Because all of those groups that got shut out a year ago, I think, are, are not only going to be involved this year, but uh, are going to probably try and do some things that are bigger and better than ever. And uh, I think that's fantastic. Mm-hmm. What, so what are you hearing from athletic directors as far as um, the, the economic impact that they've suffered over the last year? I mean, reducing ticket, ticket sales and you know no concession stands being open. So some revenue streams of theirs are gone. Has that been pretty hard on individual athletic departments around the state? So we have gotten some reports because a lot of times it's the athletic boosters in most communities that run the concessions. And in an awful lot of schools, that booster club really provides a lot of the nuts and bolts in terms of equipment, uniforms, things like that. So certainly I know that booster clubs are in awfully tough shape. Um, What's been interesting when you talk to school people that, yeah, the money that the athletic department generated last year was down significantly. But on the flip side of that, with all of the federal COVID relief dollars out there, and I hate to say it this bluntly, but there right now is more money available to schools than any time that I can remember in my uh, professional career now of going on 25 years. So the light, so yeah, certainly a big challenge. But on the flip side of that, there's an awful lot of COVID-connected money for schools that uh, have really filled in some of those gaps. So um, all in all, schools have some challenges, certainly, but right now money isn't one of them, and you you really can't see that very often. So. that's really where we're at. So that's not one. That, that, that's that's a decent positive to come out of the back end of this. Everybody might have a little bit of wiggle room to kind of like figure their stuff out. Absolutely, yeah. no. It's 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 going to open some doors. I think to really kind of uh, hitting the reset button on what school funding looks like. So that's a good thing. I know Cody might have been involved in this a little bit more, but another big change uh, to your sports has been the golf app with the live scoring and. What kind of feedback have you heard at your level from that? And I know that's going to probably stay stay in place for at least this next season and maybe going forward. What's, what's the plan with that? It's been fantastic. Um, that way, you know, parents that have a work conflict and can't, uh, you know, can't be at the course to watch uh, their son or daughter play, well, they're able to follow it real time. In a, in a macro level, in a bigger picture look, the more things that you can make transparent – in real time and out there for everybody to see instantly also brings about some, some credibility and integrity to it as well. You know, that our, our live scoring part of the reason was we did have a, a regional golf uh, tournament to where there were some allegations of, uh, of uh, improper scoring. And of course, golf is the, the ultimate integrity sport. There's no referees. You call your own fouls essentially. And, you know, imagine how a high school basketball game would go. 
if we depended on the players and coaches to call their own fouls. So we had that happen in golf. And whenever you have uh, issues of integrity, I think in general, when you can make the process more transparent and more open, that automatic, I don't care what it is in life, I think the the uh, integrity element of that uh, increases. And that's exactly what I want to make, or that's the online program we've used um, has done. And that's been a great thing for golf. What about uh, MHSAA.TV and the NFHS Network? Is that going to, are there plans for that to continue? So the network um, of which we're a part of is, is um, you want to talk about your, your most obvious statements uh, of the year. Uh, the network saw incredible growth last year. Whenever you've got events to where you're limiting crowds, uh, streaming became, I think, a necessary part of school sports. Um, it's not just in school sports. I know that every ice rink has, I think it's the live barn function to where my daughter's a figure skater. And if I want to watch her practice during her hour on the ice, I can log in right now and watch it. So streaming is not going away. The Federation Network, incredible growth. Schools now have some real options and avenues available to them to still give those members of their public that want to see the game uh, through a stream. But yet schools are also able to put some things in place that are still going to encourage people to come and to, to attend games. You know, you, you make the streaming experience so good and so easy and so affordable you know, you, you also want to encourage people that to come through the gates or come through the gym doors and see what's going on too. And, and that's something our schools will work to balance this year. Mm-hmm. I imagine you got to expect some kind of drop off in that this year, given the, the circumstances, but it still should be a viable option, right? Absolutely. For, you know, grandpas and grandmas that live in California or aunts and uncles, or you have those parents that travel on business, you know, being able to stream games or, you know, you obviously can't stream golf, but what we just talked about with the I want to maker, you know, I can be at a business meeting in Washington, D.C. And with my with my phone or my tablet, you know, know exactly how my kids doing on each hole. So that isn't going back. That mm-hmm. that uh, genie is not getting back in the bottle. But uh, we want to make sure that for those who are, are locally in town, that there's also an incentive to come and attend. And by the way, we're not the only ones struggling with that. I think if you asked every school in the Big Ten how they're managing right now of, of trying to get, you know, ticket buyers to come into Spartan Stadium and Michigan Stadium um, versus, you know, every game being on HDTV with no line at the restroom in your house and the refrigerator with all kinds of cool beverages. Um, I think that's something all of us in sports are, are uh, having to, to, to battle is because uh, we still think that being there is the best possible way to, to take in a game. Mm-hmm. Now, I wanted to ask you about, this isn't so much about COVID, but um, I think COVID kind of might have gotten in the way just a little bit of its growth. But um, girls wrestling in the MHSAA, this is an advent of basically what's going to be pretty soon, I think, you know, high school MHSA-sponsored girls wrestling tournaments. You have their own thing now. Just can you kind of talk about the growth of what you've seen over the last five years? Because we have a lot of, you know, female wrestlers in our, our area, and, uh, you know, they are just ecstatic over, over what's been happening. So for next school year, what we've added is uh, for the reg- the regular season uh, isn't going to look all that different. Um, you're still going to have some young ladies, especially at the lower weight classes, 103, 112, who in a normal uh, dual meet, you're going to see them competing as they have for many, many years. Once we get to our individual tournament, those young ladies now have a choice. They can either uh, continue to compete with, with the males as they have forever, or we are going to have a female-only individual series. And given our number of, uh, of young ladies that wrestle, we think that they'll have probably two regional sites to where they'll enter. It'll be 14 weight classes, the same as the boys. And, uh, and the most exciting part is then when we get to Ford Field for the individual finals, instead of there kind of being four pods of the four divisions, there will now be a fifth pod. You'll have Division One, Division Two, II, Division Three, Division Four, and the girls' pod. And then when we go down to just five mats for the finals, instead of four mats, we'll now have a fifth mat, and that's where the girls will be. So the girls-only division, know that that will be all classes. So, yeah, the challenge is you could have a young lady at one of our largest Class A schools. Well, they first round, 
could be wrestling somebody from a class D school in, in one of our smallest schools. But at least right now with the girls division, based on where our numbers are, that'll be one division. Um, but again, the 14 weight classes and, uh, we just think the excitement at Ford Field for individual wrestling, um, that'll only be a little bit better now uh, with the girls having their own division. How far are we as a state, Michigan, from a model like Iowa and Kansas where they have their own meet to get with girls wrestlers and they have their own postseason tur- tournament with girls wrestlers? Uh, that's a long way away because if you're going to look at rosters that will fill 14 weight classes, our numbers aren't there. Now, What will be interesting is now with us having their own individual tournament, their own division, um, will that now be the match that kind of lights that fire to where we, um, you know, the incremental growth we've had the last five years, will this now be the thing that will just, that where the growth could explode? And so that's where we could get to that eventual goal sooner rather than later, but uh, time will tell. One more question about COVID. What were what were some of the uh, the Plan B options that were discussed in some of your meetings that were maybe never implemented, but were, were things that that you had to think about, had to look at maybe doing it as a, as an eventuality if things kept getting worse or deteriorating? <laughs> That's a pretty long list. Uh, well, going back a, a a year ago last summer, is we had put plans to paper if spring sports could have restarted in May. We actually had the last two weeks of July last summer where we would have gone back and we would have tried to finish ice hockey, boys and girls basketball, and gymnastics. Um, so that was a plan B. We had a plan ready to go um, to finish up those uh, tournaments in the, uh, the year of 2020. Um, one thing that we didn't think would have to come to bear but did was digital tickets. As the year went on and the government regulations required that you have that that contact tracing matrix, that if you're going to host an event, you've got to have names and contact information for those who are there. Well, we have always said, there's no way we'd ever get to digital tickets. Well, sure enough, COVID really required that. And a lot of our schools love the fact that they're no longer handling cash at the gate. It's just a safer process. You know, we did get some pushback, and I, I don't want to single them out, but, you know, one of the the groups that complained were my own parents, uh, grandpas and grandmas, once they were able to go to games. Um, that's just a generation that's a little bit more used to cash at the gate rather than, you know, using a smartphone. So we'll still kind of try to work on some of those things. But uh, those are just two examples of a plan B that never saw the light of day. But um, digital tickets uh, really um, became the way to do business last year. What about the governor's recommendation of moving spring sports to the fall and fall sports to the spring? Uh, That really never got much uh, traction. You know, it, it, uh, it was a very generic or general suggestion without really knowing the absolute logistics that that would entail. Um, I'll just flip flop the seasons and, you know, no problem. Um, You know, we have a lot of coaches that aren't teachers that kind of shape their employment schedule for the year based on them being a fall coach or a spring coach. And if we just would have just flopped the seasons and of course you go back to last summer, okay, just play spring sports in the fall. Well, what if we would have had the spike in the fall and fall could not have done anything? Well, now those spring groups would have essentially taken one for the team twice in a row. And that was another big fear that we had. So, uh, yeah, in hindsight, you know, when you got in November, well, gosh, you should have just played the spring sports because, you know, September and October looked pretty normal. Um, my crystal ball wasn't working that good, unfortunately. <laughs> okay, what was what's the worst idea that Cody uh, Inglis had? The worst <laughs> idea the that, that Cody had, you know, the, the challenges that he had, you know, he is our cross-country director in the fall and we're at MIS, and we were able to have two days of finals at MIS, limited it to two spectators per runner, and we didn't allow, and those fans had to stay in the NASCAR grandstands. Well, if you guys have ever been to a cross-country meet, true cross-country fans and parents, they'll run the course so they can see their kid go by four or five times. And you want to talk about an upset group of people last year, 
that was our cross country fans who, uh, you know, could get up as high in the grandstand as they could to try and see the course, but really was a big challenge. So Cody didn't have any bad ideas, but I can tell you, um, just managing cross country and some ups. And of course, at the end of the day, the question was asked, well, the options are either zero spectators or this is what we have to do for this year. And, you know, most people understood that, but, uh, you know, some of the, uh, some of those very fast moms and dads uh, were a little disappointed they couldn't uh, hit their normal spots at MIS. All right, Mark. Well, thank you so much for joining us here at the Get Around. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you, and thank you for all that you do for the kids around the state and help helping lead the MHSA through this pandemic. I know uh, we all commend your efforts out there at the MHSA. We got it done, and uh, thank you so much for uh, being a part of this today. Great to join you guys. Thanks. Another huge thank you to Mark for joining us here at the Get Around, and a huge thank you to him and Cody Inglis, who joined us last year, and everybody over at the MHSAA for doing all they could to keep sports alive here in Michigan over the last year. You're give uh, us basically why we have a job. Yeah, so. right. Give us something to cover. Give these kids something to play. You know, what I'm saying, give these families something to look forward to, and. I know without all the hard work that they did over there and, you know, how flexible they were, you know, if we had them on a podcast a few times now, um, none of it would have been possible. So thanks once again to them and our sponsors over at Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Order a tasty sandwich today with the Jimmy John's app. That's going to put us into our chatter that matters. And today's a good one. We have a little bit of a conversation to happen about our overall boys and girls players of the year before we get there, I wanted to announce just a couple more that we are getting to. This weekend, we'll have our baseball all-region team going out on Sunday. That's going to be led by Player of the Year Wyatt Danielavich from Traverse City West. James, can you just do me a favor and run over those stats that you gave me for Wyatt real quick? Because well, His stats are crazy. They're insane. They're, they're actually even a little, little bit better than we thought. Exactly. So Because with the stats, the stats I think that we had that we put in the... Uh, in the story for the, him getting the on the dream team for the state, were I think they had they played one more game after that. I had printed I had screenshotted them before trying to get ready for all the so all star games and everything like that. So yeah, they were a little bit a little bit better and uh, yeah, it's it's just crazy. Uh, Seventy innings, one hundred and seventy Ks. That's literally it's like that's two and a half strikeouts an inning. Point three nine six ERA. And a .608 whip. So how many earned runs did he actually allow? Was it nine? I can't remember, but it was less than, in 170 innings, it was less than 10 hits. I, I think it was, yeah, nine hits. Single digits hits allowed in, 100, wait, so wait, 100, in 170 innings. So a 70 innings? No, 70, 70 innings. 100. No, 170 strikeouts. 170, yeah. Yeah, sorry. 70 innings. 70 innings. 170 <laughs> strikeouts. And only had nine hits allowed all year. A K to hit ratio, which doesn't technically isn't a, a statistic, is literally like seventeen to one. It's crazy because that's like a no hitter. He was basically a, every half game, every game and a half, you're throwing like a no hitter. Like yeah. <laughs> it's insane. But our but that 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 all region team will be out on Sunday, uh, led by Wyatt Danielovich. You'll have to. We're not gonna go through the, all the teams uh, today, but you're gonna have to make sure you check out that edition on Sunday uh, to find out who made our dream teams and our second team and our honorable mention for baseball. Also coming out this weekend is supposed to be our t- girls tennis team, and that is led by Lily Bobrowski from Traverse City St. Francis. After winning the state title over there, obviously. It's it's almost a no-brainer when you only have a couple girls, and then with what Lily was able to do throughout the season this year, she was undefeated going all the way into the playoffs, and just absolutely insane uh, season that Lily had over at Traverse City St. Francis. So that's supposed to come out on Saturday, and that will be uh, the Saturday edition of the Record Eagle. Um, and then the following week, we're going to be doing our girls' uh, soccer all-region team, which will be the final one that we have left, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. But I think we've kind of talked about this, but I don't think it's any surprise that we are going to have co-players of the year in girls' soccer, and it's going to be the Noble Sisters. Jordan and Taylor Noble, friends of the podcast, had them on here about a month and a half ago uh, to chat about their run with Boyne City, and they made it all the way down to that state final where they played against 
Miss Soccer for Division Three. So um, those two girls put up such a great season and great careers in general. They're both in the state record books for points and goals and assists and everything. So um, having them headline our girls' soccer team at the end of the year here is a no-brainer. But the thing that wasn't a no-brainer. It's a, it's a noble-brainer. <laughs> <laughs> God, there's your bad pun of the day. We miss those. Uh, <laughs> I, the one, but we we have, we've had to have the conversation over the last couple of weeks about our overall athletes of the year. Every year at the Record Eagle, you know, with the exception of last year, because we didn't feel it was fair after a whole season being disappeared. Um, we give out a overall female athlete of the year and overall male athlete of the year, and this is one of the harder discussions because you're putting up kids from all four divisions, or technically whatever, all nine if you're going through football and. But from all divisions, all classes, all sports, and kind of looking at a full body of work. And these are tough. I mean, there's obviously plenty of people who you can make an argument for. And I think we've tried to. But, I mean, do we want to argue anymore as to people who should be, or should we just go with who we've decided on? Well, I mean, it's your last episode, so I'm not going to argue with you. Argue with me! What about Jaden Alfred from Ancelona, you know? It's, he's, when you see him on the court, he passes the eye test, you know, he's... Steps on the track, did baseball too. I don't think he did a fall sport, but I'm sure he was working out or doing something with AAU basketball then. You know, what kind of athlete is he compared to Finn Hogan? You know, because that's two schools that. Mancelona Ski Valley, Glen Lake is uh, Northwest, but I'm pretty sure they've gone up against each other in a lot of postseason stuff. They were in that same district. I know Mancelona was without some players in that game against St. Francis, and we didn't get to see them the rest of the in the in the region i i, I put it this way we've known for a long time that jane alfred is a premier athlete in northern michigan and technically I, yeah i don't think he plays a full sport right uh but so i mean jane right. alfred is a three-sport athlete nonetheless he does basketball yeah because he does he dueled in, exactly in did spring. baseball and track I, I mean qualified in track for state finals this year um in the high jump and i we know that he's an incredible athlete but i think I, we We've went back and forth on a lot of these, and I I think that we've decided that Finn Hogan from Glen Lake is going to be our overall male athlete of the year. I mean, that, yeah, all that, state and track for and four, four events. That's events. what I mean. Like, so he he is a three sport athlete. We know that Finn is going to Central Michigan University to play wide receiver slash tight end for them, um, which already tells you Division One type athlete coming out of a Division Four high school, really really well. So we know what his acumen in football was like. He helped that Glen Lake team, uh, you know find their way without Reese Hazleton at quarterback. He was the one just leaping and bouncing. Was Calvin Johnson just going to get balls out there. And then basketball, he was the focus of just about everybody this year when they yeah. played him. And still got him to regionals. Yeah. They, they, they beat Traverse City, St. Francis. Yeah. And Wyatt Nosedas, who we thought was probably one of the better, if not the one of the best basketball players in the area right now. And, you know, he's, he's a high flyer. He can throw down. He's He can shoot threes. You know, he, he was an all-around all good basketball player. And then I think what he did this spring is just what just put like that dot on the exclamation point because him and Tara season was just another level. Him and Tara Townsend are the only people who are even close in like four like wide breadth of events. I mean, he literally was in the four hundred, the high jump, the two hundred, and the one hundred, and he was all state in all four, which is insane. Mm. And I know we talk about. Male athlete in the year, female athlete in the year. You look at three-sport, multi-sport athletes. But track is the one sport that kind of sticks out to me because all those other players you're competing against are also multi-sport athletes. You know, track's like the one sport that shows, like, your athleticism and purely your speed and purely your flexibility. Like, you don't – I mean, there there is professional track, right? And there is, like, professional running and professional high jumps. But that's, like, the true test, like, in high school, at least to me, um, when you're in a spring event or a field event. That's, like, the true test of how good are you in those other sports. Yeah, and we'll just and just think of how rare it is to have someone who can place and be, be all-state in the high jump and the 100. Yeah, the sprint. Yeah, like, full sprint. And, the, I mean, that's just a combination you don't, don't see often. I mean, you see people compete in those ones but not be elite in, in those two events. I mean, you, around here, you don't even usually see sprinters that are 6'4". <laughs> I mean, he, he had the fastest he had the fastest 400 time out of anybody in the area. 
Division one through Division four. He had the fastest four hundred time out of anybody. I think it was like fifty four seconds or something like that, or fifty one seconds. Like absolutely insane. Or no, sorry, forty nine point six eight seconds. Even better than I thought. I was I was Gam was gave Finn five extra seconds there. I think it's kind of noticeable when you can jump six foot nine over a high jump, and you're one of the state's fastest sprinters. I think you're going to translate pretty well to be a high flying wide receiver at the Division one level. I think that works. <laughs> right? So, I mean. And you're 6'4". <laughs> that helps, too. And you got hot, the hops are unreal. So, I mean, I, I think we've come to kind of a conclusion on that. Uh, Jay Nelford, I think, had to be in the conversation. There was a couple of guys. Josh Christian, Burnham had to be in Yeah, the, Josh Burnham, Christian Boivin. Uh, yeah, maybe uh, Chris Koshoniak from Gaylord St. Mary. He was yeah. pre- really good in a lot of sports. Uh, yeah, I mean, what, Conrad Cordy, we, like, Jack Stefanski even. You know, he, he has a couple of sports there. I mean, we were so impressed with what he did in basketball. Josh There's, Burnham. There's been so many that we obviously have to go with. And a lot of times, you know, it is, oh, who who did best in all these sports or whatever, because most of these kids out here are multi-sports athletes. A lot of these smaller schools, too, you got to be a multi-sport athlete. There's not going to be enough kids on the team. <laughs> so I think that's pretty much set. So congratulations to Finn. I know this might be the first time you hear about it or anybody hears about it because we haven't set anything in motion yet. We wanted to talk about it before we started to uh, move along with that. But uh, let's move over to the girls' side real quick. And by the way, he was uh... – Makes it two male athletes of the year out of Glen Lake because uh, Reese Hazleton was last year. So let, let's move on over to girls and talk about them real quick. And this one I think was a little bit tougher um, for us to to find somebody that we are comfortable, all of us comfortable with, um, you know, being the female athlete of the year. But there, there's been good arguments, but I guess I'll just put her name out there because I think we're set on her too. We just want to talk about it a little bit. But Leland's Olivia Lowe. You know, she was all state in volleyball. Obviously, has helped that volleyball team do tremendous things over the last four years, and then goes and plays basketball, and it becomes our girls' basketball player of the year. Joins the thousand thousand club, which is just like doesn't happen. I think it was her the twenty seventh twenty seventh girl in state history. Yeah, that's that's like kind of almost a unicorn level. Right, and and a scholar athlete, and has obviously just done so much for Leland over the years. What what were you guys? Victorian, I believe. I say, what what are your guys' arguments for Olivia and why we have chosen her this year? I mean, it was the same reason we put her as the captain, the captain of our dream team for girls basketball. One thousand rebounds. We just haven't seen a player that just consistently attacks the rim and def- puts a focus on our game on the defensive glass. The, just doesn't happen very often yeah and is just you know a scoring machine too i mean she's just kind of a wrecking ball i mean she's just gonna get the ball in the post and she's just gonna go at the rim and, that, and she's not the tallest girl i was about to, to bring be doing up. either of those things if she's five seven five eight yeah maybe a little taller but she's got hops too and she's been an outside hitter for the volleyball team and has been yeah. had to be the high flyer the last few years and i mean once again i i think there's a lot of girls who we've talked about, but I think the the thing that we couldn't find this year was somebody who was that like three sport all the way across the board better than everybody else. Ellie Joe McKenna was pretty good in, in both soccer and um, in volleyball. She was led West to a really deep playoff run in volleyball and was the goalkeeper for the West soccer team for and I know they had a pretty good season. I'm trying to think like you know I I, I we brought up I, mean, I brought up Julia Flynn because like. It's just obviously how good she is at running, how much better she is than everybody else. You have to think like, yeah. yes. But the one thing that hampered her was her injuries going into the state finals. So we didn't technically get to like see her full breadth of skills at the end of her track season, which kind of stunk. Uh, you know, she didn't really get to run all of her events in the last three meets that she was at because she was dealing with some stuff. Um, but we still have another year with Julia. And once again, I, I, I think that watching her run is going to be uh, – incredible for you guys i mean yeah. a couple of those kids are so fast they're gonna break so many more records yeah well then after the season is done she goes out and wins the the cherry mile oh yeah i guess she won the half marathon she finished after her because the, the times were staggered and stuff but yeah she won the she won the half marathon at the festival races and the cherry mile and then he won the uh hunter jones won the 15k and the cherry mile as well i mean hunter jones is a kid that could be in there in that uh conversation for the male athlete of the year as well i think but i mean one of the things about one of the things i think that sticks out about low is that she was dominant in the two sports that she was in you know if it wasn't for macy brown she probably would have been right there for player of the year in volleyball or at least totally in the discussion in a small group of people and then she was the player of the year in basketball and so just 
completely dominating those two sports without an obvious three-sport athlete. I think that's what just kind of put her over the top. Yeah, and once again, she was in our conversation the last couple of years for, you know, basketball captain. But I think, you know, we, get, we, we waited, and then she just kept on working and grinding, and she got to where she is, and I think it's well-deserved. So Finn Hogan from Glen Lake will be our Boys Athlete of the Year, and Olivia Lowe from Leland will be our Girls Athlete of the Year. Congratulations to those two, all their hard work, both those seniors going on to play college sports, which is always exciting. That segment sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's spends six hours slicing and baking every day to make you a 30-second sandwich. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's freak, yeah. That's going to put us into another rendition of the Retroactive Hall of Fame. We got three new candidates to put in. My last candidate to put into the Get Around Hall of Fame. Boys, I'll let you guys take the lead on this. Who did we miss in the spring season that has to be a part of our the most exclusive club in northern Michigan? That might be the last time I say that. <laughs> um, I'll throw out an uh, athlete from Elk Rapids, and she's going to be somebody that you're going to hear her name a lot in the next couple years coming up here. I mean, because she's only a freshman. But uh, Lauren, Lauren Bingham in soccer, she first team all Lake, Lake Michigan Conference in soccer, also a very good basketball player. And uh, she just came out as a freshman and was a dominating goal scorer. I think you add her to that offense in Point City, and they give Detroit Country Day a game because she's oh, a yeah. different type of forward yeah. than the Nobles are. The Nobles played forward because they had to, but they're, I think they're more true midfielders. Lauren Bingham is a pure forward goal scorer. Um, I mean, she can make runs all by herself, and if you do the Boyne offense, you know, where they do that counterattack and the long balls and stuff would be perfect for her. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that speed would be great for the freshman off the edge. Andrew, who do you got in your Hall of Fame nomination for episode 184? I'm going to go with Chris Grody from Alba. You know, that's the school we have really haven't heard much about. We talked about him a little on the podcast with uh, the guys from Ellsworth. But they put up a really solid season this year, the Wildcats, um, the team that school you pass by on your way to Gaylord and you blink and you miss the town. Chris was second team All-Northern Lakes Conference, uh, averaged 12.1 points per game, 7.9 rebounds, though he was in our uh, record eagle stat leaders along with Brock Boots, who was actually third in rebounds uh, at 10.1. So both of those guys put a really solid season, but I'm going to give it to um, Chris Grody because, you know, Coaches thought he obviously picked them in the second team all Northern Lakes, so they liked them a lot. So there was only like 10 guys on that team. So I, for my final nomination into the most exclusive club in Northern Michigan, I'm going to put up Frankfurt pitcher Taylor Myers. I don't think anything could scream grinder like what Taylor Myers did this season. She pitched not just every inning. Every pitch for Frankfurt this year came out of Taylor Myers' hand. And regardless of what the record turned out to be or what her ERA was or any of that. It was still pretty it good. It was good. I'm not saying it was bad. Like, it, regardless of any of that, I just think she's well-deserving of getting put into the Hall of Fame just for her grinded-out attitude. The junior was one of only four pitchers to record 200 strikeouts, had 207 on the season, had a 1.28 whip and a better than 6-to-1 walk strikeout-to-walk ratio. And that's quite a bit when... All the weights fall on your shoulders. So congratulations to, to Taylor Myers, Chris Grody, and Lauren Bingham for being the latest, greatest inductees into the Get Around Hall of Fame. That segment sponsored by Jimmy John's with two locations in Traverse City. Jimmy John's is freaks about fresh meat, bread, and veggies because that means better sandwiches for all. Freaky fresh, freaky fast, Jimmy John's freak yeah. That brings us into our final segment, the trifecta. We've always had fun with the trifecta. Who knows what we're supposed to do at this point, but I think, I think Andrew brought up a good one. Uh, to start, and I, I guess it would be cool to reflect on one of my favorite games or favorite things I've covered up here. A couple of my favorite stories at the very least, but if we're talking about a game, I think I did pinpoint it. And there was that, I, I've, I've written about it before here, but one of the reasons why I remember falling in love with what I do so much is because you get to see special moments. And a couple of years ago during the playoffs, I think it was a, a literally, it was like, it was the boys, girls district and regional week finals where there's five games of the week. And you do that for two straight weeks, and I think I covered seven or eight games, and all but one of them had a buzzer beater that like decided the game and made it happen. And 
Uh, the, the, the one that really sticks out to me was a Frankfurt-Leland matchup. That was, I believe it was the regional final. Um, it was right around my birthday. And literally a buzzer beater went off a full court pass, sends the game into overtime, and then they uh, they battle it out in overtime. And I believe it's Ethan Ness just like locked down on defense. And they went on that run. And then Jack Stefanski has to make that free throw after a lane violation with .1 seconds left in overtime in the following game. And it was just, it was an incredible run to watch. They went all the way down to Breslin and went to the final four, made it to the final game. Um, and that was just, that was an awesome, awesome road to watch. It is, it is quite disappointing that I did never get to cover a state championship in my time here. I think I went 0 for 14, which I hope I'm not, I hope I'm the bad luck. Maybe if I leave and... The Jake break. Yes, there was always a Jake break, wasn't there? But I think I'm 0 for 14 on state championship games that I've covered or matches that I've covered. And our team came out on the wrong side of it. Uh, so that was one thing I wish happened, but none, nonetheless, I, I know it will here soon. Coming, I mean, I, thinking about it, I think I've only ever covered two. Yeah? Yeah. I, I covered the golf finals one year when West won it, and TC Central Hockey when they won back in, like, 06. Okay. I think it was. Yeah, so that's just wild. I don't know, but... And that's it? <clears throat> I There's been a going lot of... To, going back to my days in Gaylord and the Sioux, too. I mean... I mean, that's how she goes. Two for don't want to know. Two for twenty-five years, <laughs> or yeah. twenty-eight years, or whatever. Yeah, no, like twenty-five. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I had a I, there was a lot of great stories, and I think before I like get out of here, I don't know. Um, I got to know a lot of awesome people up here, and I really I think I think if you listen back to episode thirty of this podcast, when I got introduced, what I said I wanted to do is make sure that I became part of the community. And I ingrained myself here and got to know people. And this podcast has helped a lot with that. Um, but just being here in general, the community that we have out here is really tight. It's small. And I, I feel over the last three years I became part of the community. And being able to tell a lot of those stories is what's been awesome. Because the, I, I still don't understand um, how we get to do this job, right? How this is our job. <laughs> Telling people stories and being able to be in these cool experiences in these cool places basically where people want to be and none of it's possible without the community without the readers and the people whose stories we can tell and i would love to bring up a few of them but i'm not even gonna because like of the probably thousand plus or whatever stories i wrote in my time here every one of them has been special like in their own way their own day just even just a person whatever it is like every one of them has been special and every one of the people i talk to are too and i I've, i feel i've always treated it as such and, like, I, there's not even a way to pick out moments, you know, because there's so much that was so special. But, like, there, there's some stories that just remind me why Northern Michigan's awesome that I did. And I think those are the ones I remember the most. And if you think about the White Pine Stampede with Jack McCaig, right, or I remember doing the story about Brandon Heath and his family for the Patriot game where they had lineage of soldiers dating back to the Civil War. And he kept on the tradition, right? And went into the service. And like, that's just insane. That's insane how deep the community... I mean, he, he, where his family lives, the road is literally named after his grandfather. Because that's how deep this, this stuff runs here. And like, there's generations and generations of people. I mean, we just got done, you know, signing off John Lober <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. Somebody who's been out here for 52 years. Everybody and their mother and their brother and their grandmother knows who John Lober is. That's insane. That doesn't happen everywhere else. And the fact that I've been lucky enough to tell a lot of those stories, I can't tell you what a pleasure it's been and uh, how much fun I've had doing it because not many people get to have a job like we do, fellas. I'm just looking in our contact management system to see how many stories you've actually written. Oh, I have no idea, dude. Uh, I don't even want to know, to be honest with you. <laughs> 1,167. And you've published 389 photos. Yeah, so... 84 podcasts. 1,187. 67. Whatever. And that's... There's 365 days in a year. I've been here for three and a half years. That means I've done at least a story a day. Yeah. And even on my days off. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's a grind out here. And the, the amount of stories I've been able to tell is insane. The amount of people I've met is incredible. 
and what you guys have done for me as coworkers and uh, the community has done for me as a journalist and as a community member will never be forgotten. I really appreciate that. <laughs> but I guess before I just keep crying on this, <laughs> I will uh, sign us off for the last time. <laughs> Wait, you get to say our favorite games? <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> Not at all. We just let Jake. No, I figured this was just let Jake. All right. This, no, is, but, this is Jake's episode. All right. <laughs> but uh, thank you guys for always being awesome <laughs> and being in here with me and having fun with me. Thank you to all the people who just literally, I don't know if you like me or hate me, but <laughs> you listen. So thank you. And just all the, all the time that we've been able to spend here and all the time I've been able to spend with this community has just been awesome. Don't forget me. I won't forget you guys. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Jake Adnip. Follow James at JamesCook14. Follow Andrew at ByAndrewR. Make sure you follow the, the Record Eagle Sports Department. Uh, once I leave, they're going to continue to do great work, and I can't wait. I can't wait to see where this podcast goes and uh, where you guys go. So thank you so much once again. So one more time, my name is Jake Adnip, and thanks for listening to The Get Around. <laughs>